to episode six of Wonder, Wonder Witch. Witch. Wonder Witch. Wonder Witch. Wonder cool. Witch. Um, this is Ashley. Hi, I'm Ashley, master herbalist, creatrix, mama bear, somebody who's good at a gaggle of things. This is Jesse. Hello, Jesse. You're a jovial <laughs> jack of all trades. Yeah. Um, I'm an astro witch, a tarot witch. Damn it, witch. I'm a, a witch. fire witch. <laughs> We're witches. Uh, if you couldn't tell by the name Wonder Witch. Um, So Wonder Witch is a podcast that Ashley and I do. Uh, What we do is because we are eternal students, Mm -hmm. we challenge ourselves to learn something new every week about our practice. And that can be witchcraft related, yoga related, meditation related, anything in the metaphysical realm that piques our interest that week. We choose one topic, we learn about it, we write about it for our blog at lunacrystalline.com and we come every week and we record here. The fun part is we keep it a secret a from each other. A secret. So I don't know what <laughs> Ashley's gonna talk about, she doesn't know what I'm gonna talk about, and then the following week, as if we haven't made it uh, complicated enough, right. <laughs> We then take the other person's topic and we incorporate it into our uh, weekly practice. Put it into use. Everyday magic. Yes. Because that's what we strive for here. So. We also strive to make things super difficult on ourselves because that's the only way that you grow. (laughs) Yeah. If it was easy, everyone would do it. So here we are. Episode six of Wonder Witch. First thing we're going to do, just to give you a little breakdown, is we are going to talk about. We're going to talk a lot. We're going to talk a lot. (laughs) First thing we're going to talk about is we are going to give you a little recap of Mm -hmm. last week and then how we incorporated that into our past weeks. Then we are going to tell you our topics for this week. And as a fun little intermission, we are going to do our Lunar Crystalline trademarked cross card pulls. Cross card pull. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that when that comes. But that's just a card pull from multiple decks. And that's going to be a fun thing. And we'll just see how that correlates to our topics Mm -hmm. as well Because it usually does. I feel like every time we do a card pull, it correlates with whatever we're talking about. Right. Yeah. And, um how it correlates to what's going on in the world right Mm -hmm. now, astrologically, physically, how we're all feeling, do a little card pull for the collective. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's just jump right into that. Ashley, uh, can you please give our guests a quick little recap of what you talked about last week? 
That always reminds me of that joke that you told the boys about. Oh, yeah. I want to tell you guys my favorite joke Yeah, really tell a joke really quick. We might edit this out, but maybe not. But It'll maybe be not. Fun. It's funny. <laughs> what did the DJ name his son? Eric. <laughs> <laughs> It's my, my favorite joke. My boys thought that, that Jesse was like in their cool book after she told that I got joke for mad sure. Aunt Jess points yep. for was, that. That's that was my cool. favorite joke. So every time I'm like, Eric, Eric, I'm like, oh, Eric, that's the DJ's son. <laughs> so back on topic, last week I talked about the sacral chakra and yes. sacral chakra magic. You know, we talked a little bit about how you usually correlate that with like creativity and sexual mm-hmm. power. And I kind of went a little on the dark side because I like to get a little dark sometimes. Mm-hmm. And we got into like the real girthy goodness of how to heal like childhood traumas and you know sexual disorders and things like that Mm -hmm. so we really dove into how to utilize the sacral chakra into becoming a better you and how to tap into that divine feminine and really you know get some power back because oftentimes we think the solar plexus chakra is in charge of those things but really the sacral we learned was more about that inner well inside of you like that how you want to see yourself and not so much the face that you put on for the world, which is more of the solar chakra. So we talked about that. Um, We talked about some exercises we can do. There's some links in the blog post um, on the Lunar Crystalline website that I did some yoga stretches. We did, um, what else did we put? The sound frequencies we talked about, which is really cool. 417 hertz for dealing with positive emotions and self-love and stuff like that. And then the 288, which is actually the frequency for Mm -hmm. the sacral chakra. So some of those things. And yeah, that's what we did. And I know you did a lot of stuff throughout the week. Yeah, I really um, took that to heart because if you listen to episode five, Mm -hmm. as she was talking... The whole time I was going, oh, that's me. Oh, wait, that's totally me. Oh, yeah, sacral chakra blockages right over here. <laughs> Hello. You know, just with um, dealing with trauma mm-hmm. and dealing with relationship issues and just, you know, everything that we've been going through. So I really took it into my practice in this last week. Mm-hmm. Um, tried to show myself some self-love. Uh we make, you make those moon crystals. Yes, uh, um, yes the moon so clusters. So instead of, yep. put, moon clusters. Yes. So instead of putting them in the bathtub, oh, yeah. I have this new practice. I did it with the root chakra ones, too, yes. last week. Mm. It's my new favorite thing. thing to do. Cool. I just get the biggest pot in my kitchen, and I fill it up with really hot water, and I put the moon clusters in it, and then I soak my feet in it. And if you haven't soaked your feet lately or ever, just what a luxurious yes, thing. Yes, I tried it after you told me that, yes. and it honestly was super so lovely. Nice. And a lot of toxins get pulled out, too, mm-hmm. from your feet, so I feel like... And we're on our feet all day. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's so important to care for your feet. So yes. you can even see it now. Yeah, you guys can't toes. see it, yes, but I actually can. I gave myself a pedicure... <laughs> With orange nail polish, and it I haven't painted my nails in years, so it took yeah. me a long time. A really long time, but it looks great now, no, and I've just fantastic. been looking at my feet all week, just like, ooh, who's that? Who's orange twos? I've been carrying my sacral chakra crystals around cool. in my little bra Oh, because they come out of the moon clusters. You yes. get little crystal babies. So I've been carrying those around. Um, I've really been focusing on that. When we went shopping, I got those orange candles. Yes. So uh, last night, actually, I did 
I did this hour-long sacral chakra guided meditation. Mm -hmm. Um, It's Goddess Reawakening on Spotify. I've been doing these for years. I love them. Um, It's one of those guided meditations that I love that just take you on this, like, visual journey. journey. That's what I want. I love it. And it's so fun, and basically it's just this really great decompression, and then they're Goddess Reawakening, so they, like fly you off into the universe to go meet the goddess that is, like, good for this. So it actually goes through two. It goes through um, creativity, and Mm -hmm. then it also goes through your sexuality. Love it. And it gets a little sexy. Okay. Yeah, so I was, like, listening to it for a while, I was like, oh, my goodness. Some sexy time in the morning. Yeah, so, um... But, hey, that's part of sacral chakra work, is being comfortable with... It's connect, and, you know, which we talked about Mm -hmm. last week, that I just, like, I kind of have this disconnect from my sexuality. So, after that, you know, I was feeling really relaxed, I had my incense going, you know, so then I I was just getting ready for bed, and last night, I I was just kind of having some racing thoughts because of the uh, meditation that I did that, you know, a a lot of past memories were coming Mm -hmm. up, you know, and, and I hesitate to say negative memories, but there were definitely some memories of negative experiences and well, significant memories might be significant, but then definitely some traumatic, traumatic, you know, and things that I think that I, typically spend a lot of time trying to forget Mm -hmm. or trying not to think about it when those thoughts come up. I'm sure you can relate. A thought, a memory comes up and and you just go, oh, no, I don't Don't want want to think about that. So as I laid there in my bed after my meditation, I allowed myself Mm. to remember. Mm -hmm. I allowed myself to remember what happened fully and then let myself be done with it. Mm. And I was... You know, not to say that I did anything wrong in those moments, right. but I think we definitely carry guilt and shame, mm-hmm. especially from sexual 100%. trauma. Yep. And I I guess I was just giving myself permission to not feel that guilt anymore right. and to not think about it anymore, mm-hmm. to kind of close that chapter on those experiences. Yep. So I allowed myself to, and it was tough. Yeah. And, you know, because, and, and some of them I was like, for another day. For another day, yeah. You know, but the ones that I was able to let go of was really good and I was able to make mm-hmm. peace with those moments and, and those past relationships and kind of just be done with it and allow myself not to feel bad about it anymore to say yeah that happened and we've acknowledged it and we've we've re-experienced it fully and now it's over it's not going to keep coming back Mm -hmm. and you're allowed to let go of the guilt and it's all about you know harnessing that shadow self part Mm -hmm. and realizing that in order to get past those traumatic things you have to sit with them and let yourself feel the feelings because you have to appreciate it for the contrast because without those moments and those points in time, we wouldn't have the contrast to know mm-hmm. what life could be and like how we can grow from those situations and not to so much identify ourselves as our trauma, right. but to, you know, use it to challenge ourselves to grow past it. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think there's a little bit of fear in that, especially mm-hmm. things that you hold on to for so long. Yeah. You know, you you almost get to a point where you're afraid to let it go because well, it's habitual, it's a habit. And and who am I? Yeah, absolutely. Who am I without my trauma? Yeah, without you know, who am I without this? You know, Mm -hmm. what does? 
how does my behavior reflect or, you yeah. know, what is, you know, who am I as a person? And, mm-hmm. like, if I'm acting, if I don't have my trauma, yeah. then it's not acceptable to act in certain ways anymore right. or, you know, excuses that we might make yeah. for ourselves. And that's that sacral chakra work is, like, really, who is it that you want to be at your core and what mm-hmm. can you let go of to really embrace that in a woman's essence, mm-hmm. divine feminine? You mm-hmm. know, obviously the masculine side can do that too, but... Mm-hmm. And that's what it's about. It's about how that inner well, like that yeah. inner dwelling of self, filling your cup up, pouring out the excess and yeah. it lie. Pour it out for the homies and let it stay there with the homies. You know what I mean? Like, because my best friend Kate yeah. always used to say, and still say, she's not dead, she's alive, <laughs> um, says, do you want to throw up now or do you want to throw <laughs> up later? Nice. You're gonna throw up. Yeah. And I think about this all the time. Yeah. You're going to throw up. Right. So do you want to just do it now and get it over yeah. with? Or do you want to just feel sick forever yeah. until you inevitably throw up right. anyway? I just like that. do it. Just <laughs> do it. And that's how and that's what's happening when we're not allowing ourselves to fully process our mm-hmm. trauma. Yeah. We it's just we're just allowing it to make us sick over and over again. It rises up to the top and we push it back down. Yeah. And I don't know about you guys, but when I throw up, yeah. I feel better afterwards. Yeah, me too. I feel instantly yep. better. And last night, I was laying there and I was like, ooh, that's a heavy one. Yeah. <laughs> and I went, okay, let's yeah. go. You know, because I was very much in that visual yeah. space because mm-hmm. of the guided meditation. Yep. So it was pretty easy for me to kind of tap into, into that. that. You talked about last week about, like, inner child yeah. work or mm-hmm. former. That was part of the meditation, yeah. too. In the creativity part, it was, like, when was the first time you were told to, like, not be creative? Or Mm -hmm. when was the first time, you know? So there was a lot of, like, telling your younger self it's okay. And, you know, and that got me. I mean, the joy of life. It's that childlike essence of it. So, yeah. And, you know, you you don't necessarily think about that, like, oh, I'm an adult. You know, I have to be serious Mm -hmm. or, you know, that kind of thing. And so I I thought that it was... great you know and but I started that and and started to kind of like forgive myself for Mm -hmm. a lot of things and it just like it was really relieving yeah and we talked about how like the sacral is a sensory Mm -hmm. chakra so it's chakra that you constantly have to check in with and have to do work with especially if you're a woman Mm -hmm. because we tend to give from our cup a lot to help others around us so it's very important that we fill that up so yeah that's very cool and then you talked about last week yeah so on a lighter note um... (laughs) that's how it was last week like I went first and it was super super heavy and we we ended it light so yeah on a lighter (laughs) note I talked about how to make a broom (laughs) so not not any broom not all this heavy work um but I talked about besoms Mm -hmm. witches brooms specifically the brooms that many witches use to cleanse and energetically cleanse a space so these aren't you know specifically for sweeping your actual floor although you know that there is something to be said about Mm -hmm. The, the magical aspects of physically yeah. clearing. Yes. Just the different ways that you can use besoms for protection in your home and for energy cleaning. And we learned a real racy story. We learned that <laughs> uh, the reason for the trope, the anecdote that witches ride brooms is because in... Ah, the 1600s, yeah. mm-hmm. I'd say. Way back in the day. They used to make something called flying ointments, which were these hallucinogenic salves yeah. that, when ingested, 
You could through die, eating, right? you yeah. could die, but if you ingested it through the skin, like particularly thin membranes like that, okay, uh, you hoo ha, uh, <laughs> your the genitalia, uh, the vagina and anus, yeah. yeah. Because um, we don't like to exclude anyone. Those <laughs> thin, yeah, those thin membranes for whatever you're working with down there. You got some thin membranes, and they would slather these ointments on their broomsticks, their besoms, and fly Stuff into the night. Yeah. yeah, or you know, floss, ride a ride a broomstick. Humans are so cool because it's just like who thought? Who was like, you know, I know where we can put this and it'll do the trick. Like, right. Someone know, accidentally sat on their flying ointment and then they went, ooh, that feels oh. nice. Yeah, okay. Or just lube. I'd like to think they were like using as lube for like the first, it was like the first yeah. dildo or something. Like some lonely witch was in her cottage and yeah. was utilizing her tools. And then she went, <laughs> wait a minute, I feel like I'm flying. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about how to make a besom. Yeah, so I started making my besom. Yes. And we'll post pictures of it once mm-hmm. it's done and stuff. But I decided, so since um, we, Jesse and I are both empathic, I thought it was, re- I have a couple brooms that are here mm-hmm. that I have on both entrances. But I decided to start making my own that's specifically for detaching any negative vibes that are carried with you into the house or somebody else brings in. I love that. So kind of clearing that. So mm-hmm. I'm using lavender. I'm using sweet grass. Um, I'm getting some willow branches to wrap everything. Cool. And yeah, it's going to be cool. And I actually have a stick that I harvested from my yard. I have a couple that I had saved. Um, I'm trying to figure out what kind of wood it is. Yeah. But yeah, so I'm putting those together. And I might put a little rose in there just to add a little, you know, oomph of love in there and stuff. Nice. But, but that's, so it's going to be specifically for I love that. that. Yeah. You can make a besom out of, of anything. anything. Yeah. It's your intention. It's mm-hmm. your magic. So if you want to make a besom for money or wealth yeah. or abundance or prosperity or whatever it is, you know, you can make it out of the plants and trees that have those attributes so that's so cool i love that and even like the stock so um if you guys caught our live yeah on um, sunday you were mentioning the lavender so those are actually Mm -hmm. the big stalks of lavender i'm using as my bristles cool yeah so i love them fanned out and they're gonna be that's gonna be so pretty it's gonna be pretty and it's gonna smell nice and Mm -hmm. I guess until the lavender falls off, but, you know, it'll serve its purpose until I rebind it. But I really like the idea of having them for different purposes. Yeah. I thought that was super cool. And I did do a clearing with my existing besoms. When I did a little spring cleaning and kind of organized my room and stuff, I went through the house with those and cleared the energy, which I like to do, but I thought about you the whole time. And was and then I was flying around the house on it for a little bit and laughing hysterically, <laughs> telling JP that I needed some flying ointment and he had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> I was like, if you only knew where I could put this. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, so, you're the herbalist. Yeah, you should make us I a flying make ointment. I think I have a couple herbs in there that could do that. Mugwort actually talked a lot about that. That's one uh-huh. in certain dosages actually can produce yeah. some hallucinogenic. So, I've got a <laughs> Next time on Wonder Witch, flying ointment. <laughs> if you would have eaten the paper that we put in the ritual, <laughs> she probably would have tripped balls. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, that's, I made that mugwort tea. You did? Yeah. And mugwort has a very pungent, or like, it's a very, like, bitter. deep, earthy, bitter thing. It's so, bitter. definitely, it's nice to cut it with a little honey and I cream. mixed it, um... With another kind of like sleepy time cool. night time nice. tea, so like some chamomile. Um, it was something called Valerian Nights. Oh, so I had little Valerian. Yeah. In there. So nice. and then I put Sounds probably saucy. too much 
mugwort. Yeah. Because I drank it and I was just like, ooh. ooh. Yeah, you feel it. I was like, I'm hot. Yeah, like, I, I was I like, told you too. I was like, be careful, don't put a lot in your I teeth. know, and I was just like, well, there we go. And then I was like, oh man, plants are strong. Yeah. Um, yep. but but I slept like a like a baby. I bet you did. Yeah, valerian root yeah. paired with that is really good. And you're and doing I that take skull, the skull cap. Too. cap. Yeah, yep. I'm all about sleeping through the night these yep. days. Awesome. So all of that being said, without further ado, yes. Jesse. Yes. I wonder which topic you're gonna teach me about this week. So, Lay it on me. This week, you know that I like to do time related, you yes. know, uh, topics related to the time at which we're yes. recording. And that can mean Sabbaths, and that can mean yep. astrology, mm-hmm. and that can mean different things. So I let myself kind of go on a bit of a thinking journey. Nice. You know, I try to go, okay, so what's happening? What yeah. does that make me think of? At the time of this recording, I think it's March 29th yes, today. It is. Um, Monday. You'll March be getting 29th. this on the on Wednesday, but we recently just had our spring equinox. Yes, we did. And you and I trekked into the woods and had we a really nice Ostar ritual. Mm-hmm. Um, so that got me thinking about what does that mean astrologically? So we know okay. that equinox means that the night and the day are equal. Right. The word equinox is Latin for equal night. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking about that. And also because the spring equinox is the beginning of a new astrological cycle. Right. So it's technically the astrological new year. And I was reading some stuff and it was really funny, you know, because with the Gregorian calendar, January 1st is the beginning of the year. But a thousand years ago in agricultural or thousands of years ago in agricultural societies, Mm -hmm. they would have laughed at you. Yeah. For starting the year in January. Right, in the middle That's of winter. That's ridiculous in the like middle the of winter. the harshest part. Nothing's starting now, you know? So with the spring equinox yeah. is when, you know, it's planting season year. starts and the, the new year starts. So, so I started to think about that and what that meant for astrology. Right. Because, you know, we say the astrological new year. We say that's because... The sun has transited mm-hmm. into the sign of Aries, which means that it started over. It's at zero degrees. Mm-hmm. And that's where I kind of got lost in it. Yeah. You know, like, what, well, what does that mean? I know what I know what that means. I but can say, like, mean? I understand that the astrological cycle starts with Aries. Right. Um, but what does that mean? So... Today we're having a little bit of a math lesson. Oh, great. Yeah, but don't worry. I'm Do gonna you have your notebooks out? <laughs> if you didn't know, we make you learn things here. Yeah, you have to learn. Um, this will all be in the blog, yes. so you can definitely go back and reference it if I'm going too fast. Yes. Um, but what we try to do is, what I want to do with this is make astrology a little bit more accessible. Mm-hmm. We try to do that and kind of break things yeah. down in not so scary way. Because if you start Googling things or even if you have done your birth chart or yeah. things like that, there's just a lot going on there. When the sun enters Aries, it starts over at zero degrees mm-hmm. um, because the the astrological wheel is a circle. Right. So if we remember from geometry, a circle has 360 degrees to go around the whole thing. So it takes a year Mm -hmm. to get through the 360 degrees revolution. Okay. So Aries is just at the beginning. That's just the beginning point, which is zero. Right. 
It's called a critical point. Okay. And there's a lot of different critical points, and we're not even going to have time to go into those. <laughs> but that being said is that zero degrees of a cardinal sign. So we mm -hmm. talk about our cardinal signs, our fixed signs, right. and our mutable signs. Mm -hmm. The cardinal signs are when, you, when the sun is in zero degrees of a cardinal sign, mm -hmm. that's actually the changing of the seasons. Okay. Zero degrees at Aries is the spring equinox. Right. Right? Um, zero degrees of Cancer mm -hmm. is the end of June, which is the beginning of summer. Okay. Zero degrees at Libra is when we have the, uh, the autumnal equinox. Right. And then zero degrees of Capricorn is the winter solstice. Huh. And those are only four cardinal signs. And those signs. are the four cardinal signs. Okay. Because you have four cardinal, four mutable, four fixed. So the four cardinal signs, zero degrees of the four cardinal signs actually mark the, equinox, the changes the of seasons. Change of season. So that's cool. Oh, that is um, super cool. So when the sun or any planet enters a new sign, there's like that extra energy associated right. with at the beginning. So we're going to talk about what those numbers mean. If you want, while you're listening to this, have a copy of your yes. birth chart handy. Check that out. I'm going to be using mine just as an example. Yep. I'm going to pull mine up so I can go along and Great. And my and the first my first examples work really well mm -hmm. um, because we have a lot of the our same. Our birthdays are so close together. Yes. So you can use like free options like astrolab.com mm -hmm. or cafe astrology just to get free natal charts and yep. they'll go into the details for you, but I like, I want to be able to um, kind of get my own interpretations of what they mean. Like, yeah, it's great to have someone tell me, but you're not really learning that way. Right. All right, I got my chart pulled up. I'm ready to go. Let's okay, so look at it. You're going to see all your planets. You can see the symbols for your planets right. all the way on the outside, and then there's those two numbers, right? So you have the inner number and then the outer number. Oh, gotcha, number. yeah, 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 two. Those, those two numbers, numbers gotcha. next to each planet. Cool. So what those mean is the first number indicates the degrees. So towards the center or towards the outside? The one with the degree sign. So okay, you're gotcha. reading them from the outside in. in. Got it. Yeah. All right, go. So, like, find your sun. There's my sun. Yeah, okay. so you have... Holy shit, Ashley. What? That's really cool. What is it? So you have a critical degree. Your sun is in a critical degree. Is that, that bad? No, that's great. What's that mean? We'll talk about it later. Cool. Okay, so that's actually really interesting. So um, your sun. So you have your first one, which is your degree, that first number. Mm -hmm. And then the one out farther is the minutes. Okay. There are 12 signs. Right. Divide 360 degrees by 12 mm -hmm. signs. That means each sign has 30 degrees. Okay. Each of those degrees is then divided into 60 minutes. Okay. So that's what those numbers mean. Gotcha. The second one is just if you're getting really, really specific, specific because okay. you're at, you know, uh, zero degrees, 11 minutes. Gotcha. So basically that means that you were born like as soon as the sun went into Sagittarius, Whoa. which is like rare, pretty, yeah, like a pretty big deal. I actually have my book about critical degrees, so, oh, man. yeah, so we'll talk about that, too. Tell me about how awesome I am. No, I'm just and, kidding. And honestly, <laughs> I'm just and honestly that's what it, that's what it really is. Um, when you come in at those critical degrees, it's like 
like some really famous people have critical cool. degrees. But it's good though because I feel like the more you understand your mm-hmm. chart and stuff, the more you can kind of embody those qualities that are already there. But yeah. you so much programming and things that happen throughout our life kind of put filters on things. So it's mm-hmm. a good, you know. Yeah. You know what I mean, Jelly Bean? Yeah. So that's really cool. Breaking gold in your birth chart. Yeah. <laughs> I have a lot of stuff pulled up. <laughs> That's what those numbers mean. Okay. So the first one is the degree um, at which that planet was at the moment of your birth. And then the second one is just the minutes. Honestly, the minutes, like, yeah, if you're getting really into yeah. it. But for someone who's, like, just first getting into this, it's it's fine just to look at the degrees, really. So mine is at eight, eight, eight degrees, two minutes. But okay. it's, it's for the sake of this, you can just say eight, eight degrees. Eight degrees, gotcha. So, using these calculations, we're able to decipher the aspects of our placements. Okay. Um, and also determine which houses they fall in. Houses, that's, that's a still whole a whole nother thing. thing. Um, but we are going to talk about aspects today. So, aspects are just the angles at which they make, you yeah. know, and you can calculate those pretty fairly easily okay. just from the degrees. And that being said, when you see those lines, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, like those... on the center, that's what these natal charts do. Yeah. They're just using the math of your mm-hmm. degrees to calculate the aspects. Cool. Um, so you can do this without a computer doing it for you. Yeah. As long as you know the degrees. Of your chart. Yeah. So you'll be able to hopefully do that a little bit when we get finished with this lesson. Yes. But, so that's why it's so important, by the way, to have an accurate time of birth. Right, because I see it's very important. Right. There's 12, and, and the, the 12, um, 12 sign wheel can mm-hmm. also correspond with the 24 hours in a day. Right. So during the day, you're going through each sign. That's like what your rising sign is. Gotcha. Basically where the sun is in the sky when you were born. Okay. And it goes through all of the signs all day so it's only in a sign for two hours so if you're off on your birth time your rising sign who knows yeah you know what it is because you you, so you need the exact minute because it changes every two hours uh the 30 degrees the the little section of each sign is 30 degrees because there's 12 of them so those 30 degrees can then be divided further into three equal 10 degree segments called decans. Okay. okay. A decan is just the, the 10 degree segment of that time, okay. but because each sign is in, you know, there's 365 days in the right. year. So the sun is in each sign for about 30 days, right. the way it's a 30 degrees right. on here. So a decan, a decan relates to approximately 10 of those days. You know, between 0 and 10 mm-hmm. of those degrees, you're in the first decan. If you're between 10 and 20, you're in the second decan. Okay. And if you're between 20 and 30, you're in the third decan. Dang, because team they're first equal. decan! Yeah, team first decan. So, here's the cool <laughs> thing about that. Cool. So, we know that all signs have a planetary ruler. Right. Right? Aries is ruled by Mars, Mm -hmm. Leo is ruled by the Sun, Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter, so we know that. But did you know that signs also have have sub-rulers? Oh, what does that mean? Each decan has its own sub-ruler. 
So therefore, someone who's born at five degrees of a sign uh-huh. can have a different expression of that oh, sign's quality. Oh, I see that. Qualities. If you look at the chart, it's mm-hmm. like not well. Yeah, it can have a different expression of that sign's qualities. Uh, than someone who's born at, say, 25 degrees of that sign. So is that kind of like the whole idea behind cusps and stuff? Well, that's why cusps don't exist. <laughs> you can't... Only Deccans do. Well, you can't... Because it's mathematical, because right. you're at a specific degree, mm-hmm. it's mathematically impossible, impossible to be in two signs at once. They could have mm-hmm. been, before I met you, like, you know just typical places where you just look up your mm-hmm. horoscope on the internet, but it would say that a cusp, the cusp for Scorpio Sagittarius was between the 19th and the 24th. Mm-hmm. So, and it was weird because sometimes my chart would pull up as Scorpio mm-hmm. on the 22nd, but yeah. most of them it pulls up, you know, Sagittarius. So where did this cusp shit come from? Is it just like a way to... I think it's kind of a way people up? to like, um, get... Well, first of all, the reason I think that you probably feel that way is yeah. because you have a critical degree. Okay. Um, you're at zero degrees 11 minutes of Sagittarius. Zero. So critical degrees um, are really important with either the first degree and the last degree okay. of a sign. Um, and that can be really, and honestly, I'm going to have to probably look it up a little bit to see No, that's cool. That's that going to be means. part of my homework, too. Yeah, because, actually, yeah, you do that. Figure out what that means. Yes. The critical point of Sagittarius. That's what it's I'll like, out. you literally missed being a Scorpio right. by like 11 minutes uh, astrology time. And I feel like I have No, I feel like, first of all, Sagittarius is the best sign. You can yeah. put me on saying that. I don't care. Don't edit it out. <laughs> I want the people to know where Wonder Witch stands. Right? We are Sagittarius. Wonder Witch stands. We are Sagittarius suns, Sagittarius moons. <laughs> Ashley has a Sagittarius stellium. Okay? Like, we are very adamant that we got, are like, five the best. I Sagittarius. You're looking at your chart. You can tell me oh, now. Yeah, I can. So... I can't tell you. You did. You just made it into the best sign. Don't feel cheated. See? So really, I just made it in the nick of time. Yeah. Sorry all you Scorpios out there. Obviously, obviously astrology is about a lot more than just your sun sign. And I'm just being a typical Sagittarius (laughs) about how fucking cool we are. Anyway, back to what I was saying. So, Deccans. So here's the cool thing about Deccans. Every sign is ruled by a planet, but these different decans have sub-rulers. So, I was reading um, from this astrologer, her name's Rachel Lang, Mm -hmm. and she says, Within these decans, we assign planetary sub-rulers to the sign, and those sub-rulers give us additional layers of symbolism to apply to your birth date within your sign. So if you are born within the first decan, or the first 10 degrees, or approximately 10 days of the sign, you embody your sign to the fullest. Mm. Your planetary sub-ruler is your sign's ruler. Okay. So you and I are both born in the first decan. Right. um, Because it's the first 10 degrees. You were born at zero degrees, I was born at eight degrees. Right. So, um... Team first decan. We're making shirts. Yes. Team first decan. <laughs> so, uh, which is ruled by Jupiter. Sagittarius is right. ruled by Jupiter. Therefore, mm-hmm. the sub-ruler is also Jupiter. Also so Jupiter. you're basically the embodiment 
of that the wand sign. Of VR yeah. Of, yeah. You're the embodiment Love of that it. sign. So it's a little trickier to find out the other ones. So okay. I, I broke it down, and, and if you're not, you don't remember, obviously, because this is a recording, yeah. that's fine. Yeah. It's in the blog right. where I wrote down all the rules and, and hopefully tried to break it down in an easy way. Yes. So, sub rulers. Number one, the first decan is ruled by the ruler of your sun's sign. Right. right. Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter, therefore the first decan of Sagittarius is also ruled okay. by Jupiter. Double Jupiter. Double Jupiter. The second decan is ruled by the ruler of the next sign in the same element. Okay. Say that one more time. So Sagittarius <laughs> is a fire sign. Right. And there are four fire signs. Okay. No. There uh -huh. are three fire signs. Got it. The three fire signs are Sagittarius, Leo, and Aries. Right. Aries is the next fire sign in the go-around. Oh, okay. Got it. Right? rotation of so the fire signs. So in the rotation okay. of fire signs. Gotcha. So the second decan is ruled by the ruler of the next sign of the same element. Got it. Fire element, next sign in the circle is Aries. The ruler of Aries is Mars. Okay. Okay. So, the second decan of Sagittarius, which is 10 degrees to up to 20, 20 degrees, right. the sub-ruler is Mars. Okay. Okay, so that's going to be a much more fiery, yeah, so you're like you know, super aggressive, spicy. yeah, you know, they're kind of... So they were ruled by Jupiter first, they're Sagittarians, right. but they have this Mars sub-ruler that is another way that they kind of express those characteristics. So it's, here's the characteristics of Sagittarius, how do you express them yeah. with like an Aries fire? Right. Okay? Super. So the third decan, you okay. just follow it along, right. is ruled by the ruler of the next sign after that. Okay. So the third fire sign, right. which is Leo. Which is Leo. Which is ruled by the sun. Okay. So, you're a Sagittarius, you have Sagittarian qualities, yeah. um, but the way that you express them yeah. is kind of, is, is through the sun. Gotcha. Um, so, big, expressive, kind of ego, kind yeah. of performance, yeah. yeah, so, and that's that last decan, which is 20 degrees to up 30. until the 30, yeah, so that's kind of like the last 10 days. So it's so crazy to hear it broken down like that. Right. Because honestly, I would just look at that wheel and be like, I don't know. That's like, I know it's the wheel of the Zodiac, but other yeah. than that, it's like, is this a compass? So. Yeah. So that's really interesting. And that's like a good way if you're looking into getting to doing readings with yeah, people. Yeah, absolutely. Or kind of trying to build up your knowledge to be able to not necessarily cold read, yeah. but to look at something and understand what you're looking at. You right. can go, oh, wait a minute. They're in 15 degrees of this sign. That means they're in the second decan. Yeah. So now I can look at, okay, they're an air sign. So what's the next air sign? What's the ruler of that planet? Mm. That makes a lot of sense, you know, for their personality. Yeah. So yeah, they might have, you know, these Gemini qualities, but they have you can really understand Venus yeah. characteristics because Venus rules Libra kind of a thing. Yeah. So that's really interesting. So I did that. And that's kind of why people born under the same sun sign yeah. can seem so different. Yeah. Or seem like other signs or seem like, you know. Because it's not just your sun sign. No, because like why, like we, you know, people talk about 
the sun signs too, they, they, they overlap. they they fall yeah. in two months at right. a time. And, and I think that like in the astro community, there's always like a little bit of like November Sagittarians are better than December Sagittarians yeah. <laughs> or things like that. Like, Oh, are you a, a March Aries yeah. or an April Aries, you know, cause it's different, it but it is, it is, it different. is, it's mathematically different because they're ruled by a different sign. Whoa. Fascinating, right? That's crazy. Yeah. And also, I feel like your moon is more important, too, if it, when it comes mm-hmm. to charts, because it rules emotion. So, I yep. feel like that one's... But... So, that's... Holy what, cow! I so, that's what we're going to talk about now. <laughs> okay, cool. Because um, you, you brought up the moon. So, obviously, we just talked about sun signs. So, yeah. what about the other planets? Right. And what do the degrees have to do with those? Right. So, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, the geometric patterns that the planets form the lines that they form between themselves are called the aspects right if you can't see it do you remember those things back in the day with the pencils and the tracer and it would make like almost dream catcher looking yeah like a spirograph spirographs like that that's what it reminds me of yeah yeah to give you a visual so this is actually a lot easier than it sounds so when because sometimes when you like look at your birth chart you see all these lines on it and you're like what does that mean and then it goes down to the aspects and you're going trying sextile what does that mean (laughs) so what these aspects are you look for when you're looking at a birth chart you're looking for the aspects or the geometrical relationships between your planets and not just the planets but like your ascending or your right. midheaven or lilith or other things oh. like that yeah they're all in there Oof, duh. so we don't have to go into all that but basically what these these aspects do is that they can kind of indicate patterns in a person's life right so, if you've read into, into your birth chart at all, you'll notice that there are harmonious and disharmonious aspects. Right. There can be, like, positive or negative. Well, really not positive or negative, but, like, cooperative yeah. aspe- aspects or, like, stressful aspects. And these can re- reveal, like, personality or the things that drive you, themes in your life, or even predict, like, potential events okay. in your life. So... Mathematically, aspects are determined by dividing the 360-degree circle um, by whole numbers between 1 and 12. We're not going to go through all 12 of them, but there are major and minor aspects. Major aspects are considered to be more powerful than minor aspects, and we'll we'll show you if you remember from... um, geometry class right but it's basically the angles at which these lines are formed okay so you have 12 equal sections okay if there's one right next to each other or in the exact same spot it's zero degrees Mm -hmm. if it's directly across from it it's 180 degrees right Right. if it's at like a right angle to it you know 90 degrees so basically that's how you find those you're obtuse you're acute Right, exactly. So I've included a little chart um, in the blog post, but I'll we'll just kind of go through them. So major and minor aspects um, are kind of the main like when I said the divisible by. So if you divide three hundred and sixty degrees by one, you get three you get three hundred and sixty degrees. You know, it's the same thing. So it's basically like. You divide it by two, it's 180 degrees. Right. You divide it by three, it's 120. You divide it by four, it's 90. These are the angles that right. these aspects okay. are making. 
aspects divisible by three are considered the harmonious or easy aspects. Oh, okay. Yeah. Whatever. Gotcha. So okay. three, six, 12, right. that kind of yep. stuff. Um, those are the easy ones. And if they're divisible by two, mm -hmm. it's considered disharmonious okay. or difficult. So Which is so funny because two is like a pair and three is, so that's interesting. Well, this is why. So in numerology, the number three relates to ease, to stability, to resolution. Yeah. And the number two refers to division or like polarity. Oh, so bringing numerology So it's not like a pair, and... but it's like Duality and like polarized, yeah. So Whoa! it's like right. the synchronicities are so fucking. People say this shit's not real, and I'm like, are you I kidding? Know. And it's I'm math. like, the it's literally math. math, dude. Well, <laughs> astronomy is math. Yeah. That's what all. That's all that this is. These aspects are rarely exact, so um, there's a little bit of a wiggle room. Okay. Because rarely are you gonna get something that's directly at zero and directly at 180, right. but. We notice, you know, these planets and stars have energetic fields that influence each other right. and influence the things around them, you know, so you don't have to be right on top of something to kind of feel that feel energy, energy especially of something like the sun. Yeah. You know, so there's a little bit of wiggle room and the deviation of that is called the orb. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So, the farther the planets are from each other on the circle, uh -huh. the larger the allowable orb. Well, shit, all my stuff right there is all... Super close, super yeah. Super close. I got one jump. So, um, of course, computers now do yeah. all this work for us. Right. Like, this yeah, on like your this. screen right yeah. here where they give it, and they give it a, a lengthy readout of every aspect yeah. and what it means just based on... The information. The information, the equation yeah. plugged into the little computer, but that's... Having this knowledge allows us to do it ourselves. To do it ourselves, and um, I have some like quick, quick little rules of thumb. Cool. Um, if planets have the same degree number, okay, or are very close, yeah, they most likely have an aspect to each other, like a conjunction. So um, that's one. Another tip is if they're in the same element, or if they have like the same quality. So element meaning water, water fire, fire, air, earth. Um, qualities meaning fixed, cardinal, mutable. Whoa. Um, okay. If two, if you have two in the same sign, like if you have two water signs, right? Um, then they they may be enshrined to each other okay. because they're 120 degrees mm. around the circle because there's four. Uh, elements. Yeah. So you can just like look at yours and be like Sagittarius is right here and there's Aries. So that's a 120 degree angle. Cool. Okay. Which you have that one right there. See? Nice. Um, and then if they are have the same qualities for mm -hmm. example like Capricorn which is a cardinal sign and Aries which is a cardinal sign so you just move it one over that is a 90 degree angle and that could be a square. Yeah. So, that's just something to look at. Like, if you have the chart, you can see that they might be yeah. talking to each other there. Talking. So, I'm not going to go through all of them just because we don't have three hours to do that. But, um, so basically what you do is when you're looking at a chart, you look at the degrees. Right. Um, you see if there are planets in similar signs, like similar, similar elements or mm -hmm. similar qualities. Um, and then you just check the degrees on the planets to see if they fall within that allowable orb. Yeah. 
So the major aspects in our chart most greatly affect us. So I encourage you to look at the minor aspects as well and definitely do this with your own chart. This is just an overview and, yeah. and use the readout mm -hmm. as an idea to kind of help you. But I'll just give you a quick rundown of the major aspects. Run it down. So the first one is the conjunction. Um, conjunction is when they're basically like right next to each other. Okay. Um, the allowable orb for that is 8 to 10 degrees. So okay. it's pretty big. Yeah. So you're able to, within an 8 to 10 degree, there's there's usually a harmonious aspect there. Okay. It, depend, it depends on the planets involved. Um, so if it's two planets that like don't get along, then right. it might not be... Harmonious, harmonious yeah. but it's it's usually harmonious. Um, and then what that is is that the energies of a conjunction are fused and intensified. Mm -hmm. um, they modify each other, but they also have to work together. Yeah. So you and I both have our sun and our moon right next to each other. Yeah. So that expression of self, but also that emotional self, mm -hmm. they need, they're in the same sign, but they're right next to each yeah. other. So they need to like work together and, you know, they modify each other. And, the, and with the stellium, so I have a Capricorn stellium, you have yeah. a Sagittarius stellium, you literally have five planets in Sagittarius here. Super close together. Super close oh. together, so there's a really good bet that, like, those are all in conjunction with each other. So not the sun, because the sun's at zero, but all of these other signs are within five degrees of each other. Mm -hmm. So those are all in conjunction with each other. So that means that they modify each other, but they also have to work together and that like those things are intensified between them. Great. Yeah. So when you look at what those planets mean and right. what areas of your life they rule, you can see like, oh, I wondered why I had my sense of self so tied yeah. to my responsibilities. That's because I have a conjunction between my Saturn and my sun or something like yeah. that. Or why is, you know, you know, why does Jupiter affect my moon so much? Like yeah. stuff like that. So that's kind of how you can do that with conjunctions. When we divide it by two, so that's divided by one, that's just the same because yeah. it's right next to each other. When we divide it by two, it's the opposite and it's literally called an opposition. Mm -hmm. So when they're on opposite sides of the chart or they're 180 degrees away from each other. Mm -hmm. um, the orb there is, is also about eight to 10 degrees, okay. so you can see that too. Oppositions represent that polarity or that duality we were talking about. And they can um, often indicate, like, outer circumstances okay. that could block your way. So if you just find an opposition, like, they represent that polarity or that duality. And they can offer off, often indicate outer circumstances that could block your way. Right. You know, I don't really have any, and neither do you. It doesn't seem like cool. so cool. <laughs> That's good. One less thing. Right? Um, the next one is the trine. Um, so that's the circle divided by three. Okay. We talked about how three is that great number of stability. And, yeah. you know, so we like that number. Trines are great. And um, trines are considered the most harmonious relationship in your chart. Okay. So trines are good. We All want right. trines. Um, that is connecting signs of the same element okay. because the, as I said the four elements are equally spaced around mm -hmm. the astrological wheel okay so trines happen with signs in the same element like we talked about 
during our full moon ritual, yeah. that grand trine right. was in air. Uh-huh. Um, because the moon and Saturn, you know, they were all in air signs at yeah. that time. So there was a big grand trine. So this isn't just for your natal chart. This is like day to day. All the time. This is how astrologers predict things. Right. And tell you how you're feeling because your planets have aspects to each other and they create these geometrical relationships. So the trine is a really good one. It's really harmonious. It manifests the most pleasant potential in your chart. Okay. This can be luck, opportunities, um, innate creative talents. That's a really positive, a really harmonious one. And then um, a square is when you divide the wheel by four. Okay. Um, because that puts planets at a 90 degree angle, angle to each right. other. And squares are um, a disharmonious aspect. I'm like, oh my god, there's some squares in my thing. <laughs> squares create challenges that pressure you to work on issues represented by these planets. So I let's. So my squares are. I have a square. Venus and my Jupiter have a square. My orb is only four degrees, so it's pretty close. That will that's actually a really good one to talk about yeah. because so think about what venus represents in our life relationships right. harmonious mm -hmm. home hearth health love right. um and jupiter is like ideas and expansion and you know adventure yeah so my venus and my jupiter are in a square to each other which mm -hmm. means that i am challenged to oh, work yes. on those areas and the issues that they bring up kind of in that contentious point between yeah. the two of them, that struggle between being at home and being of the world, yeah. I guess. So that's mm -hmm. a really good one. And I didn't expect this to out me so hard, but Yay! it did. So we're going to move on. Uh, <laughs> in that case, we're going to keep on moving. The, we <laughs> uh, we were just talking about that. So the mo the final major aspect is sextile, okay. which comes at Ooh. 60 degrees okay. or one-sixth of the circle, and it has a six-degree orb. Ooh, six, six, six. A lot of Doesn't sixes sound there. Good. Yeah, <laughs> so, but it is a good one. Okay. Um, because six can be divided by three. You do not support Satan. Um, <laughs> well... <laughs> Uh, it comes at the sixth, 60 degrees or one-sixth of the circle. So it's good. It can be divided by three. Okay. Oh, um, so like that threes. means it's a harmonious one. So sextiles can also indicate talents or sextiles. I don't know how you guys pronounce it, but I sextiles. say I say sextile. I like, that's like textiles. That's where I feel like sextiles. So what's cool about sextiles or sextiles they also indicate talents and opportunities like a trine does, mm -hmm. but you may be more likely to find an outlet for these energies than okay. with a trine. Okay. Um, because six is the number of perfect balance. Mm. Yeah. So my moon is sextal to Jupiter. Jupiter, okay. So my emotions combined with that expansion energy... Yeah. I may find a better opportunity to express something like that than a trine between my sun and my Mars. Gotcha. Um, maybe. 
Maybe. You know, who knows? Um, and then, so the orb for that, acceptable orb for that is six degrees. Okay. Um, if you do something, if you do your natal chart on Cafe Astrology, yeah. it gives you a handy-dandy chart that not only shows you the aspect that you yeah. have between those planets and stars and your... other points, but also the orb. Um, and that's kind of cool. Yeah, so it also gives you the orb, so you can see, it's like, is it something that's, like, right on top of each other. Right. You know, like, my moon sextile to Jupiter is at zero degrees, 41 minutes. So it's virtually exactly 60 degrees apart. Yeah. Whereas, you know, another conjunction can be 10 degrees apart nearly and have less of a, less of an impact. impact on it. Yeah. Um, so those are the major aspects. There's a bunch of other ones. There's minor aspects. There's, like, quintile and sesqui, whatever, whatever. Holy yeah. shit. Um... I don't even... Sounds confusing. Yeah, but those are cool. <laughs> I hope that this little math lesson makes birth charts a little more It kind of does, because it's honestly very intimidating, and now that I know what I'm looking at... Yeah, you can see, like, what are those numbers, yeah. and what do those lines mean, and yeah, I see it's a conjunction, but what does that mean? And you scroll down to the bottom, and it... It gives you that description, you know, yeah. of, like, what it means. But you're just like, why, though? But why? And you know? Now and like why I'm... do I have, like, this is in this sign and this is in this sign. Why is there no thing there? It's because of the orbs and all that stuff, so. Well, I think, too, when you can understand, it's less intimidating, mm -hmm. like, being able to understand. And I like the idea of figuring out, like, spirograph and, yeah. like, make my conjunctions and my Yeah, I have squares. I did one. So, I can put, I made, cool. well, I didn't make it with a spirograph, but I, but I, no. I painted painted something. That's awesome. Um, and then I drew my chart. I painted a night, a starry night watercolor. Ooh. And then around that has my signs and my, my chart and kind of the aspects there. So, um, it is really fun to do. That is fun. And be like, this is me, you know? It is you. Nobody else is this way, you know? That's or, a great idea. And so, I think that might be a class or a workshop we Yeah. Do. And I, I would love, yeah, I think that that'll be a great idea you because, know I mean? you know, to, to have someone paint or draw or just write out their own chart, you know. It's empowering. And, and to also kind of explain them what it means. Astrology can be so overwhelming and, like, so intimidating. Yeah. You know, and it almost seems like a club that you can't get into sometimes, you know. Cause right. <laughs> and also being able to go into your own chart with your own knowledge yep. and your own information and being able to glean for yourself mm -hmm. what you think that means. Because yeah. you know yourself better than Absolutely. anyone else. And you can just be like, oh, I'm in the third decade. No wonder, you know? Well, it's just that further understanding, like being able right. to really work with yourself. And it's like almost like having a user manual mm -hmm. in a sense to yeah, where like you I can come, that. you know what I mean? To yeah. where you can kind of understand your aspects and how to deal with them properly and what not to do to, that's mm -hmm. going to aggravate certain ones and mm -hmm. yeah like a user manual i love that what a cool way what? to describe that that's how we'll have that's to market, we'll our, market class. our class It'll yeah be the, user manual the, of the, you. the user manual of you your, that's great. your user yeah. manual i love oh it God. user y-o-u mm -hmm. trademark patent pending yeah, so that's really, that I love that is what I learned about this week. Quick little math lesson, but hopefully made astrology a little bit more for those who are either not bold enough to ask or yeah. have someone to ask. You can figure it out. Or now. for um, astrologers who are sick of people asking. Yes, yeah, so that's super cool. Like that really helps to make it 
a little more attainable. Yeah. Like, the information, and, like, I love the idea of making my own chart, and that's a good thing for people, too, to, like, when you meet somebody new, be like, give me your information, which people already do. There's this funny meme that goes around where it's, like, um, a guy telling his mom that she asked for his birth mm-hmm. information, and she's like, leave her now! She's a witch! And yeah. it's just, like... So, mm-hmm. Cool Beans kind of broke things down into terms that I can understand, and I'm excited this week yeah. to do my Yeah, it's on you. Yeah, it's on like, you this week. It's all yours. Because I like that idea of, like, you painted your watercolor picture and did yeah. your chart. I'm really excited about it. I'll bring mine next week when we take pictures. Yes. <laughs> so, this is the time we are going to take a break, and we're going to do our carpool. Oh, yes. This is a thing we do. A little breather. Use um, our, our third eye and not so much our brain. Yeah. yeah. Put the notes down for yeah. a second. Pick up the cards um, and do something not scripted, yes. essentially. Um, yes. Because it is. It's just spur of the moment. Here we go. Um, so, let's pull some cards. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. All right, so um, we're going to pull some cards. What we like to do here on Wonder Witch is we like to do our little patented crossover card pull. We like to pull from different decks Mm -hmm. or different types of divinatory tools um, runes and the like. I am a creature of habit. I always pull from the same deck, mostly, um, which is the herbal tarot. What are you going to pull with that? I like to get a little jazzy and I switch it up. I love the Threads of Fate Oracle deck. Shout out to them. Sponsor me. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm using their Oracle deck, the Black and Rose Gold. Friend Erica with Flow mm-hmm. Ritual Co., who's actually here doing the full moon with us and was our collaborator. Mm-hmm. She has the tarot deck right. from Threads of Fate, which is like real, real nice. It's real nice. But this one's a little dark, so I'm a little dark. <laughs> and then I'm also going to be doing a rune pool to correspond nice. with our deck. These runes are actually from our friend Katie with yes. Fiddle Fern and Jambles. Yes. Yeah, so we're, I have mine too. Yes. I love them. We both got a I had set wanted some runes for the longest mm-hmm. time. You got her first set like I think yeah. nine minutes or something after yeah. she posted I saw it. them and I was like I have to mine. have them. Because I had been thinking about making runes for the longest mm-hmm. time and I just never got around to it. And Now then, we have a friend who makes them. Now we have a friend who makes them, and I just trust her magic so deeply, mm-hmm. and she's yes. just so intuitive and so wonderful, and I just knew that the energy on those was going to be awesome. Oh, you could feel it. I could yeah. feel it coming out of the box before. I think I unboxed them on a live we did, actually, because yeah, I waited, did. and mm-hmm. I was so excited, and you could just feel it oozing Yeah, and out they of the are crevices. just such a great tool. Yes. I love it. So you're going to give us two today. That All right. So we're shuffling. You can hear us shuffling these cards. Taking my cards a little bit longer today, but I didn't oh. warm them up at all today. Mmm. <laughs> so it just tickles my giblets. Your giblets, huh? <laughs> because of something you talked about okay. in one of the previous episodes having to do with dream divinations and types of dreams and, like, common ones Yes, that came out. So I got the Seeker. Ooh. But there's teeth. So oh. the imagery, so remember you were talking about the dream where your teeth are oh, falling out yeah, and stuff. yeah, yeah. so you can't see this, but I'll describe the card. So I pulled the Seeker from the Threads of Fate 
oracle deck, mm-hmm. and it's two outstretched hands that are adorned with some jangles on the wrists, and then they, the hands are outstretched towards the sky, and there's actually teeth. Like, it looks like canines and molars sprinkling from the sky. Okay. Um, and so when Jessie did her Wonder Witch episode, I think it was four about, we talked about dreams and interpretations and such like that, and that was one of the things that we talked about in Mm -hmm. there. Um, And also it is a little relevant to what my topic is this week on Wonder Witch that you guys will find out about. Cool. And what'd you get? Did something pop out for you? Yeah, I did. Cool. Um, I pulled the Seven of Pentacles. Love it. I've been pulling a lot of Pentacles lately. Yeah, you have. We actually pulled another Seven. We pulled Seven of Cups with Erica. Um, The Seven of Pentacles... And the herb is rhubarb, which is interesting. Mm, love a good rhubarb. Yeah, me too. But on my deck, it's a person sitting on a rock looking a little pensive or reflective. He's holding a hoe, a gardening hoe. Oh, okay. Gardening in his hand. Not a yeah. hoe. Hoe. Um, he's holding a gardening hoe, but he just is, like, thinking he's very thinking. deeply. Yeah, he is. So it says that uh, with a hoe in his hand, <laughs> a young man sits reflecting on his past efforts and considering the work ahead. Mm. So he has the hoe, so he must be a gardener or yeah. a farmer. Mm-hmm. So he's, like, thinking about past fields and future fields. Yes. All right. And now is the time to gather the discipline and the strength necessary to move on to the next step in life. New fields need to be plowed, the weeds pulled, and the seeds planted. Mm. However, this person must must watch that they do not become so rigid or caught up in setbacks that they are inflexible and stubborn. On the other hand, they must guard themselves from being undisciplined. Mm. Fears... Failures and worries connected to the past and future efforts must not paralyze you to the point that nothing gets done. Oh. All right. So that's interesting. And the the herb is rhubarb. And what's that significance? (laughs) (laughs) Rhubarb is good for treating butt problems. Nice. Like hemorrhoids. (laughs) Constipation, Mm. diarrhea, etc. etc. So natural Pepto-Bismol. Yeah. Spiritually though, rhubarb will assist in tuning into the earth and inner joy of creating on this planet. Mm. (laughs) Constipated feelings and congested creative (laughs) flows will be opened up and let loose. Oh god. For those who are letting their energy dissipate without form, rhubarb will help to staunch this undisciplined flow and encourage direction of the energy towards fruitful results. I didn't know that you could talk about rhubarb with that many poop euphemisms. God, I hated even reading that out loud. Um... But yeah, so it basically says, learn from your past experiences, mm-hmm. don't be immobilized by fear of failure, mm. get to work. Gotcha. So, flowing into the seeker, let, let's hit <laughs> uh, yeah. you with some correlations Flow. here. And I like, so this is one of the major options in the thing, so mm-hmm. it's just a description, which I kind of, as we go along and further go into like this deck when we do cards, I want to figure out what who their signifier is in, like, traditional tarot. Ooh, yeah. So the Seeker was the one that I pulled. 
So the seeker indicates a need for energy, movement, vitality, and excitement. So that sacral chakra energy mm -hmm, we've been mm -hmm. talking about. The seeker is childlike at heart and has faith that at its core, the world is a beautiful place. Mm. As we grow older, it is easy to lose touch with our innocence and sense of wonder. We have responsibilities, stressful home and work environments, external pressures, physical sensitivities, and dis-ease. And I love that like oh, play yeah. on words with it, the dis slash ease mm -hmm. because that's what disease is in your body it's right. dis-ease in exactly. your body i love in, this we yes. just talked yes about so this. in the end we get locked into like a survival mentality and we don't know how to break free uh -huh. so the seeker's message is one of reclamation it is not so much about ridding yourself of the stress but remembering your essence slowly oh. nurturing your sense of wonder to all that is around you you may feel silly at first but keep working on it to balance out the negative replace mm -hmm. statements of what if everything goes wrong with what if everything is exactly as it should be oh yeah okay. so as a balance seeker the energy of it is one of empowerment curiosity mm -hmm. feeling confident to navigate both the external and internal worlds yeah. if the seeker is out of balance you may be a bit untethered or like disassociated you may be pushing yourself onto the next thing thinking that that may be your cure uh -huh. as seekers we must remember that we are gathering experiences and wisdom for growth not because we believe it's a prescription to fix our perceived issues with that, an unbalanced seeker's energy may also give their power away to others, externalizing their own growth and believing that it is dependent on things outside of themselves. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so that really speaks to the Seven of Pentacles mm -hmm. card. It does, too. doesn't it? Yeah. Like that fear of failure yeah. immobilizing mm -hmm. you. You know, that past, the, yes. the fear of past experiences keeping you from moving forward, yeah. keeping you from living your life. It's really interesting, and that kind of lightens the vibe I got from the Seven of Pentacles. Yeah, it does a little That's bit. like get to work, hard work. You know, it's also just like well, it's finding that joy in the work. Where like if yeah. you're going through life and doing something that feels like work and doesn't bring you joy every day, then maybe that's not the thing you should be doing. Yeah, yeah. Room show too, me a room so. so we can see. So yeah, we got Seven of Pentacles. We got the Seeker card from the Threads of Fate Oracle deck, um, and now you're going to pull a rune, and we've kind of got that, like, don't be paralyzed by past experiences kind of vibe going on Yeah. Right so the rune that I pulled, it looks like an arrow. Okay. It literally looks like an arrow pointing up. Oh, yeah, I know which one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and so it's called, I don't know if I'm saying this right, it's spelled T-Y-R, I'm a tur or tire maybe. Tear. Tear, okay. So this one is going to signify victory, success, courage, favorable outcome. Nice. So really correlates with the Seven of Pentacles and the yes. Seeker where it's talking about, you know, you are going to have that success, you just have to have courage. Uh -huh. It's going to be a good outcome, you just have to... Find the joy in life. Like, you know, whatever work you have to get done, still make sure that yeah. you find the positive side of it instead of pointing out all the negative aspects. And I think going into this new, like, coming out of Pisces and into Aries, and, you know, we just had our Libra moon, and right. we're starting over, right? Because Aries is the beginning, so it's really that energy of the spring equinox bringing things into a new... Yeah. I look at the past and learn how mm -hmm. I can now create a better tomorrow. Tomorrow. Love it. Love it! All right. Well, that there we go. Okay, so 
did our card pull, our crossover card pull with two decks and a rune. That was cool. Yeah. I did mine. So now um, it comes to the part of the podcast where I begin wondering. Ooh, you better wonder. Which topic Ashley picked this week? All right. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to learn you something. I wonder which topic. Ashley picked this week. <laughs> so this week, for episode six of Wonder Witch, hit I, me with yes, it. my hit ya. I chose to learn a little more about the divination method of scrying. Ooh, so you know anything yes, about so and I don't mean like scream crying. I mean like <laughs> yeah. When I first heard that word, like way back when I heard somebody use the word scrying, I remember thinking like, are they like really like scream crying? Like I do that all the time, but no. Oh my god, <laughs> I have never heard of that. Scream crying. So we're not talking about that scrying. We are talking about the method of divination. I learned something Right? You learned two things. So we're talking about the method of divination where you can use a crystal ball, reflective object, or a surface to receive messages, visions, and for some to even foretell the future and the past. So and I, I cons- forgot yeah. about crystal balls. Yeah, so and I consider myself kind of a gypsy and we always talk about having our caravan and traveling around. Mm-hmm. So one of like a piece of symbolism that you see is like the gypsy in her caravan with her tarot spread mm-hmm. out, gazing over the crystal ball, getting ready to tell you your fortune. Mm-hmm. So I was like, let's talk about the history, because you know me, and like, let's go back. Let's yeah. take it back. Let's learn from the past so that we can utilize that in our day-to-day life. Yeah. Um, you know, some divination methods, so it's not just a crystal ball that we're talking about. So things that are tied to scrying and how you can interpret the messages that you receive from that. You ready? You buckled in? Yeah, I'm ready to go. Here we go. Let's talk about the word scrying is going to originate from Old English word descry, which means to make out dimly or to reveal. Okay. It also has Latin and French origins with other meanings being to call out, to catch sight of, to make an observation. Okay. Yeah, so it's an old art form, and it can be traced throughout various cultures and history. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. In the 10th century, in an ancient Persian text, and I'm going to try not to butcher this, but it was called the Shahnameh, and it was basically a poetic and semi-historical book that was written by the poet Ferdowsi. Okay. So really interesting. It gives a description of what's called the Cup of Jamshid which was used by wizards and practitioners of esoteric sciences for observing all the seven layers of the universe, which is a whole different thing. Okay. Yeah. Native American and Central American cultures use scrying in the form of smoke observation, and there's a lot of different ones. The Egyptians did scrying in the form of oil gazing. Ooh. Yeah, which helped them gain wisdoms, and I learned that's kind of one of the more not so common ones uh-huh. so if you do that you're kind of a badass if you do oil scrying which is very interesting I mean, I've looked in a yeah. bowl of oil i don't yeah. see a whole lot going and we'll on. talk a little bit more about like you know how to do that and stuff but they also would practice water scrying too uh-huh. and mirror scrying one legend states that uh hathor which mm-hmm. is an Egyptian sky goddess. Um, usually she's the one with, like, the cow horns and the disc in uh-huh, the middle of her uh-huh. head. Yeah, 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 so she carried a shield, and that could reflect back all things in their true light. Ooh! Yeah, so the shield was allegedly fashioned to be the first magic mirror to see. You know, so think Snow White and... 
the queen and she's looking in the mirror. So that's uh, kind of where that came from. I was more thinking of like that movie Shallow How. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like that. <laughs> but that is a form of scrying. Yes, absolutely. You know, seeing <laughs> yeah. things for what they really yes, are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so divination bowls have also been found. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, snap. Divination bowls have been found, too, in Africa. Uh-huh. Um, and they were believed to be from the priests and priestesses there. But they would use a form of scrying with the bowls that included white flour. So where they would either throw it in or make shapes with it. And that's a whole... Apparently, there's a lot of different branches of that, too. Um, wow. In the country that use different kinds of ones. And in some cultures, clouds were used during the day. And the reflection of the moon in a puddle of water was used at night. Ooh. Nostradamus. Yeah. Where he used a bowl of water to look into the future while he was in trance. Yeah. Yeah. Nostradamus mm-hmm. is a... Uh notorious yes future seer mm-hmm. yes <laughs> so the romans they used crystals which i thought was really cool for oh. scrying yeah like clear quartz and obsidian were the most common uh-huh. in the middle east there were excavation sites where they found the graves of these women who are believed to be priestesses Ooh. yeah and they found these shiny discs that they know they use to do scrying work and divination work that yeah. reflective surface which is really cool ancient greeks and Celts practice Celts 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 Celtic yeah, Celtic people yeah Celts yeah they practice scrying using crystals as well black glass polished quartz water and other light catching bodies because I really mm. liked as I was learning because the first thing you think of with scrying if you know a little bit about it is that crystal ball so it was really right. cool that there's more Unless you're to me it. and you forget yeah. that crystal balls exist. Yeah. And I'm just like, mirrors? <laughs> but I'm thinking about it now. Like, yeah. ancient Romans didn't have mirrors the way that we Right, so it was different stuff. You know, like, yeah, of course, I'm sure they had reflective, shiny things where they looked mm-hmm. at their hair, but it wasn't just like any public bathroom yeah. you walk into has mirrors all over Absolutely. it. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, they had to do other stuff. So probably catching the moonlight in a puddle was like yeah. kind of a big deal yeah and the scrying back in the day wasn't just used for like divination purposes either it was uh-huh. used for some cool like science stuff and astrology oh, and things like that yeah, that makes sense. yeah so there were like these two alchemists and their names were edward kelly and john d and they employed a form of scrying using a shoe stone which is a piece of polished obsidian and they would use that to help give observations on alchemaic Things that they were doing. Which, oh, neato. Yeah, I, there are crystal balls in the wax tablets that they used are actually in a British museum in London right now. Oh, So neat. you could go check that out and see, like, ancient scrying things that these two alchemists used, which is pretty cool. Wacky. Yeah, came out from Arizona, and yeah. there's a lot of Mormons out there. So I don't know okay. if you know about Joseph Smith Jr. I don't um, know anything yes. about Mormons yeah. except Salt Lake City and... Uh, <laughs> That TV Sister show, Wives. Sister Wives. <laughs> yeah. So he's the guy that founded the Latter-day Saint movement. Okay. And he based some of his miraculous information on the reflections obtained from the seer stones that he oh. had. Yeah, so he's the guy who came up with the text of the Book of Mormon. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in and... South Park. Right, yeah, <laughs> right. And so he said that he could see the text of that book with the stone at the bottom of his hat. He had three 
stones, at least, that he favored, including his favorite, which was a brown stone that he found during an excavation of a neighbor's well. Okay. Yeah, so he used these seer stones initially in various treasure digging quests in the early 1820s, but he would place the stones in the bottom of his hat and put his face in it, and he would read what was believed to be miraculous visions from the stone. There's a religion based There's on this a religion. now? Yes, there is. Oh, and people say you're weirdo. <laughs> so they were actually, so it's like witchcraft in a sense. Totally. It's like, yeah. We actually had a separate set of spectacles that he named that were composed of these seer stones, and they were called Urim and Thummim. <laughs> okay, so he had like spectacles with these stones that he used to get, uh-huh. to, right? On the spooky side, you may remember that spooky tale of, like, gazing into a mirror in a dark room. Yeah. Yeah, right? And you're saying Bloody Bloody Mary, yes. Actually a ritual that was designed to allow the scryer easy escape if things got too dicey for them. So back in the day, originally, the origin of the tale would encourage young women, and I think I kind of remember something, we talked about Tom and Huck, that movie, and Uh you know the part in the movie where they have the mirror and they're looking? Yeah. Okay, so that's where the tale originates from. So they gaze in a mirror, and they were supposed to be able to catch a gaze of their future husband's face. So what they had to do, they had to light a candle, hold a mirror, walk backwards down a staircase. Oh, my yeah, God. <laughs> yeah, so they would either see the face of their future husband, or they would catch a glimpse of the Grim Reaper's skull, which means that they would die before they were married. Oh, my God! <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh my right? goodness! Yes, yeah, so that brings like a whole new thing to it. You really had to get me after a <laughs> yeah, math lesson. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and like I was saying before, so it wasn't just the magical arts that scrying was used in Middle Eastern and European medieval literature. Uh-huh. There's mentions of it in astronomy, surgery, and scientific research, which I thought was really interesting. Huh. Yes, yeah, scrying in this way consisted of using like a polished piece of metal or glass, which sometimes contained a lens. And so that goes back to that Latin and French definition of to observe or to see through. So it wasn't just, you know, it's still scrying, but just mm-hmm. in a different way. Mm-hmm. All right. So we know, we know a little bit of the history, right? Yeah, so, yeah. So like, what does scrying mean for us today? It's not just the crystal ball. So I mentioned in the beginning, it can be any reflective surface, anything that's going to bounce stuff off that you can receive a message, usually psychically. Mm-hmm. It's a type of divination that allows the type of divination that allows our physical eyes to rest, and we are seeing with our our esoteric, our third eye, to receive the messages. Oh! You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's very much an intuitive practice. So, like in history, you know, the Egyptians and the Greeks did the water scrying, which is actually called hydromancy. Mm -hmm. You can use a natural body of water or a water bowl like Nostradamus did Mm -hmm. to receive the messages in the reflective surface. There are different variations to hydromancy, so you're not just looking into a reflective surface of water. You can also drop objects in the water to make ripples, or you can like draw circles in Mm -hmm. the water to kind of see what comes up like that. Natural bodies of water... Doing anything in nature, it's really going to bring in earth magic. The same way with cloud magic, which is really cool. So you might remember when you were younger, like at the park and you're laying and you're looking and watching and you find an elephant in the clouds or Mm -hmm. a dragon and stuff like that. So that is actually a form of scrying that 
Yeah. People did way back when, and you interpret shapes and receive messages from them. So along with using the natural body of waters, this type of scrying is a great way to pull in like earth magic and natural uh -huh. magic into your practice. It helps you connect more easily to a higher power, you know, to whatever yeah, that that one looks like is. an alligator. That yeah. one looks like a dick. And some people, right? <laughs> yeah. And some people see deities or your spirit animals uh -huh. or things like that. You know, if that's a little intimidating, a really easy one, if you're looking to use tools in scrying and you're a baby witch starting out and you don't have a crystal ball or you don't have any obsidian yeah. or anything like that, candle wax scrying is a form oh. of scrying that you can do. And I actually did this by accident in my bath the other day. Like I have a candle and it was dripping down. And so as the wax hits the water, it cools. creates shape. It cools and creates yeah. shapes. And it was doing it in the bath the other day when I'm like, holy shit. Like that. That's cool. Yeah, so shapes are formed by the hard wax and sometimes they can be very easy to read and stuff. And we'll get more into how to do that. But this is a great place for baby witches to start because you just need a candle and a bathtub or a bowl of water or something. Yeah. And you can do scrying. Oh, I love that. Yes, I'm already I'm, taking notes for my yes, my topics this yes. week. Yes. It's exciting. I know. I so like that. one of the little maybe more creepy ones that I'm going to, I haven't explored yet because it's kind of freaking me out a little bit, but <laughs> I'm going to do because shad, I always talk about shadow work and I love doing shadow work and a really great tool for that is going to be mirror gazing, mm. which is actually called, and hopefully I don't butcher this, Katatromancy. Catoptromancy, C-A-T-O-P-T-R-O-M-A-N-C-Y. Use it in a sentence. Catoptropancy is the art of mirror gazing. That's interesting. Yeah. Because when we talked about the dream divination, it was a nyromancy. So yeah. that's that romancy Rom the mancy, uh, the, suffix yep. mm -hmm. that's like gazing yes, or divination. Yes, it is. Yeah, so it's a great form of shadow work. And it's the type of divination where you're relaxing your eyes and you're gazing at yourself into a into your reflection when the eyes relax you begin to see images and things pop up for you and some people see colors mm -hmm. and things like that yeah this can be a little scary like i said mm -hmm. but with practice it becomes less and less intimidating mm -hmm. you're literally looking at yourself and allowing yourself to be open and vulnerable wow. to see what comes out so it's very and that's one of the main purposes of shadow work yeah. It's getting down to, like, that psychological core of your being. Ooh. You know what I mean? Yeah, yes. yeah. We talked about the oil scrying. So Egyptians were infamous for doing the oil scrying yeah. and stuff. So this is actually where it involves pouring, smearing around the oil onto a surface and interpreting the reflections of light that come off of it. Oh! Yeah! That's not what I thought at all. Yeah, see? And you can <laughs> like, see some images, but it's more about that reflection. That's what you I was thinking yeah. about, like, looking at a bottle and of vegetable a, oil, like, oh. Oh, no! Yeah, so you're smearing it around, and kind of the same idea, like, in um, African cultures, where they would do the white flower, and it might be in some other cultures, too, but that's just where I saw it, uh -huh. where they're, like, throwing the powder, even tea leaf readings, kind of the same yeah, yeah, essence of that. Yeah. yeah, so, and that's a really cool way, and that's why I said it's one of the more uncommon ways to do scrying, but if you can learn how to do it, you're like a badass. I'm like, I'm gonna be a badass, so yeah, right? <laughs> we'll practice some of that. You guys know that Jesse and I over here like to light show on fire. Yes. So, you know, we did talk about the candle magic and stuff, so fire gazing is another form of that divination. It's called pyromancy. Yeah, Yes. And it, Yes, and it involves gazing into the flame for visions or messages. Mm -hmm. this 
this can be done with any kind of flame. So it doesn't just have to be a candle flame. It can be a bonfire in your backyard. You know, it can be a little fire in your bowl that you're, oh, you know, burning yeah, yeah. with some herbs and stuff. So don't feel closed in. It can even be a match flame. You can light a match oh, and watch yeah. the flame that way, you know. So use the tools that you have. Shit, your you gas stove. Right, yeah. <laughs> you can even use the shadows that are projected behind the flame Ooh. to receive messages from those and see what comes up for you there. I like that. Yeah, and fire gaze, it's probably one of the most popular forms mm. of scrying today that you see a lot of. Mm-hmm. So we talked a little about the smoke scrying. It's another one, and this is the using the smoke, typically from a flame, a fire, mm-hmm. um, something like that. This is widely used in Central America and Native American cultures, and there's a lot of variations because there's a lot of tribes. You know what yeah, I mean? Right, so if you ever have the honor of going to a sweat lodge, I've personally never been to one, but Me I've always either. wanted to. That's somewhere where you might see them doing yeah, the yeah. smoke scrying, um, where they're pouring herbs into the middle. You know, you're in this enclosed space Uh it's obviously hot and they have a fire going inside and they will actually the shamans will actually throw the herbs onto the flame and see what comes up in the Mm. smoke and you guys will all interpret them obviously interpret them obviously in like a kind of some kind of state of mind if you think about it like depriving yourself yeah, food. whatever those herbs are, the smoke they're yes. producing. I mean, you're in an enclosed space. You're yeah. breathing them in. So yes. mm-hmm. <laughs> that probably assists yes. the process a little. Yeah. One of the most interesting ones, though, that I have to say I came across, and this yeah. is one of the only forms of scrying that is going to involve somebody else. Oh. Yeah, so all of these other methods of scrying... You know, involve just doing that divination with yourself. So there's a form of scrying that's called soul gazing. Do I just look gaze deeply into your eyes? literally where you you deeply gaze into the other person's eyes Uh until, like, you know, your eyes start... Until you kiss. (laughs) (laughs) Until you get closer and closer. Yeah. Um, But what you're doing is you're observing the reflections in their retinas. You're letting your eyes kind of do the relaxing like you would with any of the other, and you see, like, what colors. You might see their aura. You might see some stuff pop up. Talk about vulnerability. Right. So obviously this has to be somebody you're very comfortable with and vulnerable with because it is a very vulnerable form of scrying but it sounds kind of interesting and I've actually been to a workshop in Sedona Mm -hmm. where we did an exercise like this but I didn't know and they didn't present it as a form of scrying but we did that thing where we stared uncomfortably into a stranger's eyes so maybe that's why you know and just to see them for them kind yeah. of thing and that was I was doing a form of scrying at that time. Wow. That's so intense. I thought that was it it's really yeah. Maybe we can try it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. And I know you guys think I forgot, but I did not. So then you have your crystal ball. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> I did forget. Yeah, you did forget. <laughs> And this doesn't just have to be a crystal ball. It can be actual crystals. Mm-hmm. So, like, we know the Greeks and the Celt- the Celtic people, mm-hmm. they used crystals, black obsidian, things mm-hmm. like that. It can be quartz and selenite and black obsidian. Yeah, we have those selenite Yeah, we have those selenites that we got that yeah. were mined. We, we got, got them in there. Arkansas. We got them in Arkansas. They're great. So those black obsidian, you can also use amber, like fossilized Ooh. amber mm-hmm. as one. They actually have people who shape these amber. I'm kind of interested in that because that sounds kind of cool. 
cool. I like it when they have like a mosquito stuck in them. Yes, right? <laughs> like Jurassic Park vibes yeah, going totally, on. Yeah, totally, totally, totally. Yeah. Love that. So, interesting enough, like you mentioned our crystal balls that those are selenite. Mm-hmm. They so the cracks and the the divots in them and stuff. You want those. So you see like the artificial glass ones or the just the really clear polished ones, but. When you're looking for an authentic crystal ball, you uh-huh. want to have those different variations into it because they aid in your ability to interpret messages for so other people. So what makes a ball of crystal a crystal ball? Just the way you use it? It has to be reflective. Oh, uh, okay. So selenite polish, it's reflective. Like, we can see uh-huh. the reflection of the window in there. Black oh, okay. obsidian, quartz. Those are all going to be super reflective. Okay. One. So you can really use the definition of scrying is any reflective surface. Those are just the preferred ones, and I think oh, it's because like selenite okay. is a charging a one and uh-huh. is it neutralizes energy on its own just by being a selenite. You know yeah. what I mean? Like yeah. it clears yeah. clear quartz is kind of the same way it can be so charged I could with use anything. My iPhone screen. You could. Yeah. <laughs> in theory. Yeah. Okay. I'm actually I'm gonna be doing a how to on making your own black scrying mirror um, with some like Dollar Tree items so we're gonna make it like real cost savvy and you can decorate it and make it like you until you can buy some black obsidian to make it your thing but we're gonna we're gonna do a life hack and I'm gonna show you guys how to do that balling on a budget yeah (laughs) so (laughs) and there's so many more yeah ways to do scrying but those were just some of the ones that I wanted to talk about and some Mm -hmm. oddballs in there and I definitely invite you to see what calls to you because We'll talk about a little bit more here, but it's all kind of about what you feel called to mm-hmm. and what your culture and your ancestors are called to and whatever that form is. And also, you know, play, like yeah. experiment to do that. So those are some types. Um, how do you, so you mentioned, how do you interpret those messages? Yeah. Like, what am I even looking at? Like, you've, you've tried it out, you've seen some shapes, you might have seen some colors, but you're like, what the fuck does all this mean? Like, what do I do with this? Yeah. So... That being said, it's intimidating. first things first, whenever you do any type of scrying, you need to have a scrying journal. You need to have a journal that is specific for scrying. Okay. I don't even care if it's just some scrap piece of paper that you paper clip together and you shove in your top drawer. You have to write it down. Okay. And here's why. Because when you're doing your scrying, you're getting in this trance-like state. Mm-hmm. You're, you know, slowing so much the thinking down and you're just being open to receiving these messages. Mm-hmm. In that moment, you're not meant to just decipher all the puzzles because sometimes you could get, you know, colors of purple and then you could see a fox and then you could, you know, see a fern leaf. You know, so you write all of these things down, down to the colors, the shapes, uh-huh. any minuscule detail of it. And then yeah. you go back. And you look at the overall thing to gain your message. Interesting. Yeah. And that's don't really try to don't try to until it. and obviously it's like a muscle. So eventually you're going to become attuned to what different things mean for you through your scope of perception. But as you're learning, you want to keep that so you can go back and you can because you might receive messages later on mm-hmm. that were coming through from that. Mm-hmm. Doing this is going to help you go back and do your research. Mm-hmm. A lot of scrying I found is based off of symbolism, which is a lot of you know these ancient teachings and things that we do. Mm-hmm. So you're going to definitely want to write them down so you can go back and research the symbolism behind different things. And we kind of talked about you know your culture, your background, what your vibe is. That's also going to kind of determine what you see the symbolism as in your your scrying. Yeah, it's it's a huge part of it. Um, It's present in our history, our mythology, and all that jazz, so it gives a physical object 
something to correlate, the message to correlate. And we have, like, scrying dictionaries yeah. in some of our reference books Absolutely. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. That you can look. The biggest thing, too, is to trust your intuition. Yeah. So this divination work is very intuition-based. Yeah. When you're doing the scrying, you know, you are relaxing your eyes, you are in a trance-like state, so you're relying on your gut and your third eye vision to do the work for you. Whenever these messages are coming up while you're scrying other things that you would want to write down, what was the first thing, first emotion that popped into your head? Did a thought pop into your head right after you saw that? Because, you know, in some cultures, we'll say a fox, for instance, you know, their thought is being cunning and swift. In other cultures, they're considered to be the trickster and Mm -hmm. things like that. So that's where those things are going to come into play. Mm -hmm. What is your background Mm -hmm. and your idea of what that is? And so, yeah, did it make you smile? Were you frightened? Oh, things like that. So you want to write all those things down. So that way you don't have to, you don't have to come out of that trance like state to figure it all out. You know what I mean? yeah. Yeah. To continue getting the message. Right. So there's three main things that can influence your reading. Mm-hmm. And the first is going to be your psychological expression of the world around you. So we talked about, like, your impression of what the world is. Mm-hmm. We all have our own personal intake of what an image means to us personally. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be one of the things that you're going to do. Your own psyche is going to play a really important role in how you're deciphering these messages that you're getting from the scrying. The second way is going to be the symbolism Mm -hmm. that's already embedded into us. So, for instance, if you're doing scrying and you see it's a pink hues in your scrying and stuff like pink is, we've been embedded to think that pink is love and pink Mm -hmm. is relationships and pink is this. So automatically when you think of pink, Mm -hmm. probably if you've grown up here in the United States, that's what your thought's going to be. But for somebody else, pink might mean um, renewal or new things, you know what I mean? Yeah, I can't think yeah. off the top of my head. So, yeah, it's whatever's embedded in us right now. Got it. Okay? Mm-hmm. And then the third way is something else entirely, and that's going to go back to who do you look to as your ancestors? Who do you look to as your spirit guides? Do you work with any deities? Do you Are you just scientifically based and you just yeah. believe in self and all those things? Uh-huh. So that's going to play a really huge part in how your research is going to go when things pop up for you. Mm -hmm. You could be very, you know, you could see a rabbit and be very, like, rational and statistical, and that could just mean that, I don't know, you're going to have a lot of sex or there's rabbits in your yard, like, (laughs) eating all your vegetables or something, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's the basic rundown. That's that's scrying. And like I said, I want to do kind of a little workshop with Jesse and I to make our own scrying tool on a budget. That That's Dollar really Tree budget, cool. but those are some ways. So, and those are the big things with it. And scrying is very much an intuition-based practice, and mm. it's one that you have to practice and you have to like work that muscle. Mm-hmm. But also, there's no wrong way. And so, keep that journal, yeah. write things down, and then you can come back and kind of piece the message together. And it's very much so a visual representation, but also a feeling-based one of like, how is this making me feel? Do I feel you know, when I saw that fox, for example, did I feel frightened and afraid or did I feel whimsical and, yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, so, yeah. And you kind of break those things down and it's all kind of a collect, what colors did you see in conjunction with that? Uh, you know, what shapes and you kind That's of piece really it cool. all together. So it's like, a, like the tea readings, like, you know, all that stuff yeah. is kind of, kind of like the charts. Like you're talking about mm-hmm. all these things kind of pieced together mm-hmm. to make certain things. 
It's like that too. That's really interesting yeah. because I've I've looked at the scrying um, dictionaries and stuff in some of our reference books, uh-huh. and even when I was like flipping through, like trying to get inspired, yeah. I did flip past like mm-hmm. mirror scrying, like in there, and I was yeah. like, oh, that is interesting. Yeah, you know, obviously I didn't choose that. Thank goodness, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> um, <laughs> but. Um, you know, I, I do look at those things sometimes, and I and I think that the concept that you're, like, letting your physical eyes mm-hmm. rest, I and you're that, activating yeah. your third eye, because sometimes I get really literal with stuff, yeah. you know, and if I'm, like, staring into something, and I'm like, what, I don't see anything, you know, it's not like a movie yeah. where you might have these big, crazy right. visions, yep. you know, unassisted by hallucinogens. Yeah. You know, so I think that that concept of that, it like is from your third eye and, and to talk about, or, and to notice how you feel. Yes. Like that Mm -hmm. makes it so much more, I think, accessible. like also your gut, like it's definitely listening to your gut. And personal. Right. You Mm -hmm. know, because you can look in a dictionary and it says a bear means strength. Yep. A bear means protection. But is that what it means But then what if you see a bear when you're scrying and it's really scary and you're like, that's what protection is supposed to feel like it's like mm-hmm. yeah it's a good thing to have those things yeah. as like a jumping point but to to and that's really consider how you it. feel yeah like I liked it because it's kind of going in that theme of what we've been mm. doing but it is a very much feeling based yeah and yes you're seeing messages but you're pulling symbolism from that and mm-hmm. I liked how it broke it down into sometimes it's what's embedded into us it's like our own perspective perceptions of like growing up however we did and yeah. however we you know our environment yeah affects our idealism is for some things so I'm definitely gonna do some mirror gazing same my only like kind of I guess intro into the mirror I like I have a mirror set up on my altar which is like a return to sender kind of thing yeah so I'm I've done a little I haven't, haven't gotten like deep into the mirror gazing I can't it makes me extremely uncomfortable so I'm gonna push myself this week and I'm gonna do a little of that I did yeah. some of the divination with like the candle wax by mistake um, and then I did some fire but mm-hmm. the mirror one you want to have like dim light so now it's about but now it's about the looking. dim lights yeah and that was another thing with scrying you want to make sure like you know scary the lights are dim and mm-hmm. it is a little scary and i think too because i grew up playing bloody mary and stuff oh so i'm just god. like oh, yes. i can't even look in the mirror like if i get up to pee at night yeah, i don't I'm even totally look like, in the mirror i'm no, like i don't want to no, know don't do it all right I i'll dim the lights movies. but i'm doing light some candles day. yeah, yeah. Like, light candles like oh i'm gonna get spooked it is spooky i'm gonna get scared yeah and you can do it during the day just draw the blinds you know and stuff like that but i think i'm gonna call too, you ashley right? i'm gonna have nightmares I'm scared. I'm but scared. it's really too about pushing yourself to kind of see past your perceived fears and Ooh. stuff like that so it's like really and that's shadow work that's like that deep fucking shit you know you hit me with sacral chakra last week oh, yeah. and now i gotta what hit me heavy? Gaze deep and I'm into like, my I'm eyes. I'm just making my bees on, and I'm gonna make my natal chart artwork. Yeah, and I'm just like staring <laughs> into my own eyes, like, oh god. I have to do it too. Don't feel bad. Why for is her. this happening to me? Don't feel bad for her. I do it too. <laughs>
I think it's good, and we're we're progressing. We're doing. I gave you a. You have to look at your critical degrees. I am. So. I'm gonna have to do like real brain work and stuff. Yeah. I'm just asking you to look into your fucking soul, Jesse. Yeah, Jesus. I'm asking you to do math. <laughs> and then I'm like, great. <laughs> oh, manies. Cool. So yeah, so that is episode six. Dang, um, another one in the another books. one in the book. So actually, our that. audio engineer. Beep, boop. Yeah, this will be posted, and um, look out for the corresponding blog post that you can look at after listening to this podcast. Yes. To get all the tips and tricks, um, Jesse's going to have some cool charts in there to help you do your own birth chart, which um, is super cool. Wonder Witch Wednesday. On Wonder Witch Wednesday. And be on the lookout for some workshops Jesse and I are going to be doing, maybe a little birth chart mm-hmm. workshop, and then also a make-your-own scrying mirror. Yeah, look out for those. We'll do a workshop, post a video on YouTube. We'll make it real jazzy for you guys. All right, so until next time. We will see you uh, next week for Wonder Witch Episode 7. Episode 7 of Wonder Witch. Witch, witch. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, guys. Have a good (laughs) night.